Again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, what do you have from the news desk in this, the third week of July 2017? Uh, WWE 2K18, Kurt Angle was released as the special name in regards to if you get... Uh, He's your pre-order, your pre-order bonus. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for it? I did. He comes to the burnt down warehouse yeah. that Seth Rollins destroyed and finds his boots. I'm digging. I'm really getting into this 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 trailer montage where you had the first and then, you know, it's building up. I think it's going to be Kurt Angle, Seth Rollins. We'll see at WrestleMania. I think that Triple H is going to... you. Triple H will reserve that match for himself. Maybe at SummerSlam, Rollins and Angle, but I think Triple H is going to save Angle for himself. You think at Mania? Yeah, if they let him get... If they let him get back in the ring, you know, at this at this moment, there's no been no indication. I mean, he's not had any physical contact on the show. None. If he does get back in the ring, though, I think it's going to be Triple H because it's almost like a liability thing. Like, I'll get in the ring with you first, and then maybe it's the same thing what happened with Sting. I'll get in the ring with you first with Triple H, and then you can wrestle somebody else. And then if something bad happens, it's on them. It's not on me. I just think... Triple H is saving Kurt Angle for himself. The, these uh, the two K trailers the last few years they've done a great job. They're phenomenally yeah. produced. Uh, they're beautiful. A lot of them. There was that one a couple years ago. I guess all the guys standing around the fire, the campfire, throwing their stuff in the fire, and of course Suplex City last year was uh, pretty cool. Goldberg a couple years before that when you had uh, same that was the same year was that the same year yeah okay. when they had to go get Goldberg out of the cave out of the cave been. that he's been buried in yeah no it was it was yeah they're really putting a lot of effort into if they could only do that with their actual product that would be phenomenal <laughs> yeah he's a pre-order bonus but I'll let you in on a secret guys you don't have to pre-order him you can just download him later on because yeah. that's what happened with Goldberg Goldberg was a pre-order bonus last year but then a few weeks later you could just pay three bucks and get him or whatever if you want to be able to play it day one day one three uh, three days earlier right then go ahead and pre-order two and there's only two versions uh of kurt that they're in, they're including the wrestling machine ecw kurt and then the uh team angle kurt there is no Kurt with hair. Unless maybe in the Hall of Fame DLC they put some hair on him. I think that we're yeah. only getting a bald Kurt Angle. So there you go. That's all right. That's fine. That's fine. Shane Helms says that Global Force Wrestling sent him inappropriate texts about the Hardy Boys. He didn't go into a lot of details. However, it made him so angry that it blew up. And that is why Hurricane Shane Helms. Is no longer with Global Force or Impact Wrestling. North Carolina boy, like the Hardy Boys, came up through the same indie promotions. They're good friends. Yeah, BFFs. Yeah. So, uh, of course, if your friends are in a dispute with a company, you're probably going to not be too good of friends with them either. So, in regards to the allegations of whatever's going on with the text messaging or whatever, 
I mean, it's to be expected that Shane's not going to be working with them anytime soon yeah. until all this gets figured out. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, it's not like he's working for the WWE. Never turn down a paycheck, Patrick. Never turn down a paycheck if you can get one. Always that, take the money. That that is that is wise. I mean, well, I'm sorry. I mean, look, if the money on the indies isn't that much better than Global Force, sometimes you just have to swallow your pride and take the paycheck. But if he's doing all right and he can make that choice, good for you. That's but true. it's hard to turn down a paycheck, Patrick. That's true. Alberto El, El Patron. Patron. I cut a lot of our discussion about him and Paige last week because of the, the domestic dispute that happened shortly after. As soon as we finished taping, like it I get online, out. yeah, it came out that he got into some sort of domestic disturbance. But then Paige is saying the story's all wrong and that they were just arguing or he was arguing with someone else and it's convoluted. But meanwhile, he gets suspended uh, from Global Force Wrestling until they can figure this thing out. I heard he was just suspended until they figured it out. Then I heard he was suspended indefinitely. Then I heard, no, it's all a hoax. He's getting ready to come back with no problems. Here's what it boils down to. Plain and simple. Him and Paige right now are kryptonite. And the wrestling business is Superman. Okay. And they are hurting. And they are they are hurting the business. They're hurting themselves. They're the wrestling business needs to stay as far away from them as possible right now, because whatever their weird love triangle crap is, whatever's going on, it's getting way out of control. It's getting weirder and weirder every single month. It is. And it's always something new. It's always something different. But what you don't want to have happen is something tragic to happen. That's then, what I'm afraid and of. And then you have, not to say that the blood's on your hands because people make their own choices in this life, but you don't want to be associated with this guy when something actually really bad does happen. And it seems like these two individuals, just from the stories that I've read, I don't know them personally, but they seem very unstable. I really think she's a phenomenal athlete, a great wrestler especially coming from a wrestling background. Oh, I mean, night one, they gave her the belt. Yeah. I see this as a career wasted, talent wasted, a career wasted, because I don't see her being able to come back from what all has transpired and came out about the videos and about the pictures and about then about all this with Alberto. and then Well, the videos, to be fair, isn't necessarily her fault. No, it's not her fault. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that it's... It's getting to the point that it's getting out of control to where she... Yeah, something's going on. She, yeah, mean. something something is not completely quite right with their relationship, with her. I don't know if it's drug use. I don't know if it's what it is. I just know that she took a really sharp left turn when she should have stayed on the right track. She was on top of the world. Yeah. Right before all right. this happened, I mean, right before she got injured, I mean, she would be the top, one of the top female stars in the company right now. I feel like, yeah, she would be over Charlotte at this point. Yeah. She but, would be the top star. But now she's been left behind. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know where this story ends, but hopefully the company, whoever's employing either of them, decides to cut ties before something bad happens. Yes. We don't know where this Alberto and Paige story will end, but hopefully it ends in a positive way. Yeah, she needs to leave his ass and start <laughs> taking more, taking her wrestling career more serious. Or get out of the business, figure something else out. Now, we, we were talking about it before we went on air. Glow. The Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, that's right. On Netflix. 
Yes, it's a drama series. Well, it's a comedy slash drama. Uh, it's got a lot of elements of comedy in it, but it's still a drama. Yeah, there was an actual Glow promotion yes. uh, back in the day. I believe Victoria was the the one that made it actually to the WWE that worked in Glow, the original Glow. The original Glow, nothing to be proud of. Uh, the women, of course, mistreated. A lot of bad stories about the original promotion from what, I, what I've been told. Uh, but the show, the show is, uh, it stars Allison Brie is the main uh, star of the show. She was on Community. She also, I think she did some guest roles on Mad Men, uh, but she is is an excellent lead for the show. The Vince McMahon type character, well, he's not the Vince McMahon, he's he's the director, but he's the authority figure, is played by this comedian named Mark Marin, who uh, hosts a podcast, basically one of the forefathers of podcasting in general, an old comedian. He does an excellent job too because he is the fir- I'm only through about episode 3 or 4 and so right now the girls where I'm at in this in the series, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler. Alert. The main character uh is is Allison Brie. I forget what her character's name is, but she is a struggling actress in Hollywood and all these all the women in Glow want to be actresses cuz they're all in Hollywood. There's no roles for women other than to be a secretary, right. to be a, a you know a waitress, right. and they want more than that. And so they go to this audition and they don't know what it's for, and it's then revealed to them we're starting a wrestling promotion. And Mark Marin, as this director, originally has this almost like a Vince Russo type idea of like this huge storyline where you know it's almost like a game of thrones type storyline that he wants to employ but then his producer finally says you know wrestling's not about that it's about stereotypes you know and he mentions the iron sheik and he mentions especially back then when you would just look at a wrestler what do you think like uh the former karma or um awesome kong is one of the stars in it oh okay yeah, she's one of the actual. She's one of the the female stars in it. I haven't seen her do any wrestling yet, but she's actually and Johnny Nitro. Johnny Nitro's in the first episode. I heard um, uh, Chavo Guerrero's actually working he behind tra- the scenes. Yeah, he trained them. The gym that they, in a nod to him, the gym that they work in is is called like Chavo's gym. Oh, so okay. He cool. trained all the actresses how to how to wrestle. Anyway, so this producer tells the director, you know. Let's focus on building characters and, and and be more like a traditional wrestling show. And so that's where I'm at in the show. But if you're looking for this show for actual wrestling action, no, you're not going to get that, at least in these early episodes. I think later on you'll get some of that. But uh, right now it's more about uh, the individual characters, uh, the, the struggle between the director and the producer, and the struggle between Allison Breeze character and the other main female character it's really about their relationships at this point than it is about the wrestling program but as someone that likes i like dramas too i love better call saw and breaking bad are two of my favorite shows and and so as a fan of wrestling and drama i really enjoy it so far so it's on netflix it's all out and from what i've heard the ending leaves open a season two possibility so it's getting rave reviews, uh, so it's doing very well. I thought it was like just going to be a female wrestling show. Right, an, sort of like the May Young Classic. Yeah, an all-female wrestling show. So now I'm intrigued even more when I found out that it's more of like a sitcom-type drama. So I want to I want to check it out. I have not seen any episodes yet, 
So. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth a look. It's definitely worth a look. But like I was telling you before we started recording, it's sort of the opposite of what Lucha Underground does. What Lucha Underground does is presents itself as a wrestling show that wants to be a drama. This is a drama that incorporates wrestling. It's almost the exact opposite of what Lucha Underground does. From the very little Lucha Underground I've seen, which is on Netflix too, by the way. Now it is. Uh, so yes. it's available. Supposedly more wrestling can more wrestler cameos coming throughout the season. So. I haven't gotten that far into it yet, uh, but so far it's been fine. It's it, The episodes are only like 45 minutes, maybe 35, 45 minutes, so you can burn through a lot of them. You can that's, get through okay. a lot of them. All right. Well, that's even better. Awesome. But yes, there is some nudity and there is some cursing and it's it's not for kids. Yeah. But, uh, other yeah. than that, it, it's, wanna, it's fine. Yeah. That's, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you hear cursing a lot, so <laughs> I don't know why I need to feel- Not for me because oh, I, am a, I am a saint. Yeah, you're you're a good boy. I am a good, my good Christian nature. I am a I am a I am a Christian athlete, but however, I do have a mouth and cuss like a sailor. So the other big story is Talking Smack got canceled. A terrible, terrible decision. Yeah, um, this is bad. I agree on the network's part because SmackDown being only a two-hour show, there's not a lot of time for character development. This company can't manage time very well on their main shows. Raw gets three hours every week. And they can't manage it very well. SmackDown gets only two. So then the talent could go on Talking Smack and get themselves over. Remember the very first Talking Smack, that great, that amazing Miz promo that he cut on Daniel Bryan. That Daniel Bryan's the real loser, that the Miz is the real wrestler because he goes out there and he doesn't get hurt and he works every day and just, it was just phenomenal. And then every time Kevin Owens is on there and he's able to just go out there and talk and be himself and get his own character over there are characters on smackdown currently the only reason they're over the only reason i know anything about them is from their appearance on talking smack yeah and they're gonna do away with that they take that they take that little three to four minute segment i think the it timing, enables them it makes them think about their character yeah you and you didn't go in with a script exactly that's what i love it was off the wall pull it out of your ass Make it work, old school style wrestling. It makes you think on your feet. Yeah. It's only going to make you better to go on there, even if you go on there and fail. Because here's the deal, and that's that's one of the things you pick up and learn going through the indie circuit is, I'm going to, if I'm a promoter, I'm going to say, hey, here's your bullet point. Go out there. You have two minutes. Figure it out. Just make sure you get this point across. Yeah. I'm not going to say word for word. I want you to say it just like this, this type you, of tone. Yeah. yeah. Don't say hospital, say med- local medical facility. Yeah. Don't say, you know, we're not, we're not wrestlers, we're superstars. That's another one that No, they, me. you know, and also this, this show costs them nothing to produce. No. Other than to fly Renee Young in, which this is the one beneficiary of not doing this show is now Renee Young gets a night off. And she can be with Dean because Dean's on Raw. But so now she, she can be with do it all. They're still going to do it after pay-per-views. They're still going to do Raw Talk and Talking Smack after pay-per-views. So not bad. Not a bad gig if you can get it working twice a month. Not and I guess gig. she's going to still do pre-shows for uh, NXT and uh, all the pay-per-views. And so she, they'll, she's still got work. But it does, it does give her a night with her husband where they don't have to be apart you know it yeah. gives them one more day together so even though and also daniel bryan just had a kid he'd like to probably spend some time with his kids so honestly oh wow wow big yeah. whoop 
So, Kid's a kid. Who wants to be home dealing with the screaming, crying child? Yeah, that's what Bree's for, right? Yeah, no. exactly. It only helped the wrestlers. And, you know, the viewership, they don't, I don't know how they do ratings on the network, but putting it after 205 Live is probably what killed it. Because yeah. nobody watches 205 Live. Yeah, no, I'm not going to stick around until 11 o'clock to talk about SmackDown. When I want to talk about SmackDown, it's at the end of SmackDown. Even though we're talking about a pay-per-view today, it took place in 1996. But that's beside the point. When I just when it's fresh, you know, and and I'm not gonna stay up until 11:30 watching this crap, you know. Yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna call it a day. Putting it after 2:05 live just killed it, and I think it's a very stupid decision on their part. It made smack. It, it was a special. It's a special show. It was just special. There was just something different about it. It was the only different thing that they really produced. That's the thing. Do you uh? Remember, Mean Gene Okerlund did it back in the uh, early 2000s. Confidential? Confidential. Yeah, WWF Confidential. Uh, it ran, what, maybe 50 shows, if that. It was just gone, and I couldn't understand why, because it was such a talented, it, it gave you behind-the-scenes look, whether it was photo shoots, whether it was stories, whether it was what. That, that segment was Sean... Sitting, sitting down talking about the Montreal incident. Oh, there was also one episode of Confidential. It was like it was like done like the day after I think Davy Boy Smith had passed away, or maybe the week yeah. after. Yeah, Confidential did some great stuff too, and yeah, it just got it just got canned. And so, when I feel like I think that would help the wrestling company if they brought the, something like that back. I just want something different. Everything feels so similar. Everything feels a lot. Of the same. Get rid of JBL. Well, you know who I don't think's coming back is David Otonga because it's been longer than six weeks. Yeah. And uh, Booker T, I think, has gotten a lot better. as a, a, I yeah. never thought I'd say it. Booker T has gotten a lot better as a commentator. And, uh, yeah, David Otonga's not coming back to that chair. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. Booker Sorry, T, Booker T got an opportunity, and he knocked it out of the park. And so that's why in wrestling, if you're gone, you're missed. And you're forgotten about. Mm-hmm. I like talking smack a lot because it was different. Yeah, and it went away, and uh, it's very stupid. Hopefully they'll br- hopefully they'll reconsider. But Vince rarely listens to the fans, so I'm not gonna hold my breath. Great balls of fire. Have you seen? Did you watch any of it? No, I did not watch Great Balls of Fire. I was interested in the main event. They got me hooked. I wanted to see it, but I just haven't. Well, it it didn't deliver. It didn't deliver, no. in your opinion. Not, Why is that? It, they built Samoa Joe up to this great thing. Every time he would get some sort of step up on Brock, Brock would immediately just crush it right back. I mean, just take him right back down. And so it was It was a short-lived match. It was just bad. It was. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the match. I felt like it hurt him more than it, it helped him by stepping in the ring with Brock. From the reviews I've heard, uh one of the one of the biggest complaints of his own that I mean we're so used to uh having to take uh multiple finishers to 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 win a match and it only took one F5 to put Samoa Joe down. Uh but outside of that, I didn't hear a lot of terrible things about. It. I mean, we knew the outcome going in that Joe's not going over Brock. So that's why I didn't bother watching it just because like, you know, when you know what's going to happen, 
it kind of takes me out. I'll go back and watch it eventually, but when when the outcome's very predictable, it just kind of not makes me that interested in it, you the, know. The shocker of the night was when Bray went over Yeah, I couldn't Seth believe Rollins. that. I couldn't believe it. And then he did it the next night on Raw, too. Yeah. He got two wins in a row over him clean. I sent you a text going, "Wow, I did not expect this." That was the most shocking thing that happened of the night. It had a match that had no consequences, but that Bray finally won a match. Yeah is uh shocking enough the ambulance have you seen anything about the ambulance the ambulance it looked to me it looked to me like uh i mean i didn't watch it well roman reigns it was a very heelish thing yeah he crashed a man in an ambulance into the wall yeah and uh they actually brought in the jaws of life to pry the door open for while they sent kurt hawkins and he slayed her out to the ring to wrestle I, I don't know. That was just bad all the way around. In my warped mind of how Vince and the, the writers think about Roman Reigns, they saw the positive reaction that Braun got for beating the shit out of Roman Reigns a few months ago. Yeah. With the throwing him off the stretcher and tipping the ambulance over. I think in their minds, they thought that this would get, that this is a good thing that Roman Reigns did. But in my mind, he just makes him a heel. Yeah. Debating about whether or not they're booking him as a face or heel, we could go around in circles well, all his, day about. His shoulder, bronze, or not shoulder, his elbow that he ended up having surgery on. I don't know if it was fully healed or not. It looks like the, where they went in and put the pins, uh, that those stitches had come loose when he come out of the Oh, yeah, they had some fake blood going on. Yeah. So, oh, man, there was blood throughout that entire night. Oh yeah, wasn't there in the Hardy's match? Hardy Matt got his his uh his eyebrow split wide open. I'm talking about gashing blood to the point that as soon as the match was over, they sent doctors in there with towels to try to oh we can't show that much blood on TV. Yeah, I had no interest in more Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro matches. So. I think that I think that's over now. I finally. think that that 30 minute Iron Man match did deliver though. I think it. That was the match that throughout the entire night delivered to its to its key. Well, I think Iron Man match, if they didn't keep the timer up the whole time, because you know it's really going to pick up the last 10 minutes. If they had only put the timer up in the last 10 minutes, I think the crowd would have been hotter because they knew that this isn't going to get really, really good until you hit a certain point. Yeah. So I think you should just keep the timer off. Well, Sheamus hitting the bro kick with the first 10 seconds and they get one up on him, I think. is That's, that well, I. It added to it because then the Hardys played catch up the entire time and they're getting ready. I mean, the, right to the very end, they were playing catch up and it's like, oh, he's going to get it. And then it was the, uh, the ultimate submission match between Benoit and Angle. I love that. I think Angle takes a chair and just takes the, D, the DQ. Just like, or it's a Brock match, an Iron Man yeah. match. That's a great idea. Just take a loss. Just beat the shit out of him with like, a with a, t- a chair or whatever. Take one DQ because it won't, until the bell rings again, you can hit him as many times as you want to. Yeah. And then just pin yeah. him and get that win back. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I love the psychology of Iron Man matches. Watching them, uh... It varies. Yeah. The, the the quality of a of an Iron Man match can vary greatly, and uh, I think we saw that with the women's Iron Man match not too long ago. And there have been many a bad Iron Man match. Yes. So. Like I said, I wasn't going to watch it because I felt like everything was predictable. So except for Bray, I really thought that. I mean, here he but is. But without any kind of stakes on the line. Yeah. They're just 
there's not enough to hook me to say I'm going to stay up Sunday and watch it. I'll go back sometime and watch it, but not. I'm just not. Well, on the heels of Seth Rollins being in the trailer for the new video game and you think, yeah, the being on the boy. cover boy and all that, and then Bray just clean beats him clean. That was uh, that was the shocker for me. But other than that, that was uh, was it as shocking as Hulk Hogan delivering a leg drop to Macho Man Randy Savage? It was not that shocking. No, because that was uh, the ultimate shock. That was the that was the the shock heard around the world. Your pick for this week. WCW Bash at the Beach 1996. The tagline is, this is no day at the beach. It's true, it's at an arena. Catch the big one, which I'm not sure what that means. It's July 7th, 1996, in front of 8,300 people at Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. So at least they put Bash at the Beach near a beach, but not on the beach. Yes. So at least they, they got some money for this instead of Road Wild and Hog Wild, where they would just give all that away just show up to a parking lot in Sturgis and get a free wrestling show yeah ride your motorcycle in there line it up and sit down we open it up a promo video recaps the hostile takeover now this is something WCW never did as well as WWF no because wouldn't it have been nice to have a voiceover you know I mean anybody you take I I like the the imaging and the setup of it and all that if you had Freddie Blassie doing the voiceover, <laughs> oh my God, that'd been great. Or somebody on the roster. I mean, uh, who's got a great voice on their roster that they could have used? Nick Bockwinkle, I guess. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Harley Race. A Harley Race voice. So anybody. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. Uh, associated with this. Co- Larry Zabisco could have voiced over this thing. Anything to just I, help I, the, this out. The one person that I didn't think could have done it would have been. The American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Dusty would have done a terrible voiceover, but... However, his commentary throughout the entire night was quite funny. Oh, man. Oh, just another explanation about plunder. Yes. Another more arguing with Tony about words. Yes. It was... Oh, it was great. It was great. Bobby, Tony, and Dusty will get the call for tonight. Tony doesn't know where Eric Bischoff is. He may be being held hostage. And Tony would repeatedly, throughout the night, worry about where Easy e would be. And it got to the point where it started annoying me that yeah. Tony cared so much about Eric Bischoff's condition. Like, especially one part he asked him, Eric, if you're watching, give us a call. Well, he's not watching. You know, it's like it, he's missing. He is gone. Yeah. If he could have access to a TV, he probably has access to a phone. Yeah. Now, before we get into the main card this evening, let's go over the dark matches quickly that happened on a uh, main event on TBS. One was dark. Four were on main event. Uh, in our dark match, Jim Powers defeated Hugh Morris in 423. Wow, that's a shocker. In our main event opener, the Steiners beat Harlem Heat. This was a tag team title match. They gave away for free on main event. Wow. But they beat him by disqualification. So no okay. title change. No title change. Harlem Heat keeps the belts. Uh, third match on main event, Bobby Walker defeated Billy Kidman in two minutes. Uh, Our fourth match, the Rock and Roll Express defeated Fire and Ice. There you go. In 206. Yeah. And our main event on main event, Eddie Guerrero, who was left off this card, 
defeated the Lord Stephen Regal in 3.38. So I bet that was a good match. For the three minutes and 38 seconds you got, it was probably an I excellent match. Boring. So that's what we missed out on. We have nine matches to look forward to. And we're going to kick it off with Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Now, these two men have wrestled, I would <laughs> safely say, more times against each other than any other two ever in professional wrestling. That could be tough to to gauge because Because I I know for at least three to four years, they wrestled each other every night throughout the entire country of Mexico. Every night. And plus, we saw them on ECW One Night Stand 2005, so it it never ends. And for WCW, the cruiserweight side, if you ever need a great cruiserweight, just put the two of them together. But that's it. Well, Ray with anybody is gonna is gonna make mad. This Ray Mysterio is yeah. gonna make magic happen. Yeah. Mike Tanay has to suit up for this match because without him, we wouldn't know any of the moves. Dusty, yeah. Dusty, yeah, is <laughs> uh, particularly uh, uninformed about their the yes. wrestler's history, the moves. Dusty thought Ray Mysterio Jr. was a child when he walked into the locker room the first time he saw him, I believe. So somebody, I forget, I think it was Dusty that said, how did this kid wander into the locker room the first time he saw Ray? But he is only 21, so. Ray Mysterio comes out in red, white, and blue. Classic Ray. He is from San Diego, by the way. You know, misconception that he's Mexican. He is from San Diego. Ray tries a handshake, but Psychosis smacks him. So there you go. There's your heel in your face right there. Tanae talks about how they've known each other for years. Heenan says Psychosis has hair like Peg Bundy. So there's your uh, 90s reference to Married with Children. Both guys wrestled in Mexico last night. I believe it because there is an airport in Daytona. They could have easily made it. It's just a short hop over the Gulf. Yeah, the Gulf of Mexico, and they're there. So Psychosis and Ray spend most of the opening sequence with mat wrestling, what you would expect, of course, of luchas. Bows and arrows, Indian deathlocks, half crabs. Psychosis wrestles like a heel, so he's not going to do a lot of aerial stuff at first. Psychosis knocks Ray out of the ring and then hits a suicide dive that ends up landing him mostly in the guardrail actually bends one of his uh devil horns here yeah it was it was an ugly hit with his head i i really thought he was knocked out get back in the ring body slam and a leg drop to ray for a two count psychosis hits his top turnbuckle guillotine leg drop his finisher but only gets a two count ray mysterio kicking out of his finisher ray is only 21 years old uh today mentions he started wrestling at 14 that's a bit early to get in the game, buddy. Ray Mysterio hits a running Hurricane Rana on Psychosis out on the ring mats. A springboard Hurricane Rana West Coast pop, which is typically a Ray finisher. Psychosis kicks out of that at two. Ray tries an STF, but he's so small he can't reach far enough on Psychosis's head to do it properly. And I actually think the mic picks up him saying sorry to Psychosis for the shitty looking STF attempt. Yeah. More rest holds from Psychosis as he locks in a grounded head scissors on Ray. An inverted DDT to Ray, and Ray rolls out of the ring. Psychosis snake eyes him on the guardrail. Then he hits a top turnbuckle senton to Ray, who was on the mats. This looked like it would have hurt Psychosis back more than Ray because he just smacked yeah, on his he back. Thudded. Psychosis puts Ray in the Steiner recliner when they get back into the ring. 
We get a cartwheel from Ray into a spinning head scissors, and then a springboard dropkick into a top turnbuckle hurricane rana. Psychosis is out on the ring apron, and Ray hits a top turnbuckle hurricane rana to Psychosis off of the ring apron, so he goes down to the mats. It was an amazing move. This crowd, the first part of this match, the crowd was not really feeling this, but yeah. when they started doing this shit, they finally, they finally stood up and, and paid their respects. We get a springboard moonsault for two. For Ray on Psychosis, a twisting acai moonsault onto Psychosis. The acai moonsault is something that uh, Mr. American Dream had a big problem with uh, understanding. An acai what? Psychosis tries a Super Razor's Edge, which had some other name, on the top turnbuckle onto Ray Mysterio, but Ray reverses it into a Hurricane Rana. One, two, three. Gets a standing ovation from the crowd, and what a tremendous match. Match of the night. Oh, yeah. Right away. Yeah. A typical WCW uh Give that shit trope. away up top. Put your best foot forward. And yes. they did. They, they had to really work to get the crowd invested because they weren't familiar with these guys. But once they saw what these guys were doing, just phenomenal. Phenomenal wrestling. Ray was my probably my favorite in-ring wrestler next. Well, Dean Malenko, too. Dean Malenko and Ray together, I loved watching them in the ring. And uh, when they worked together, it was even more amazing. Sting was my favorite, like, just dude. But as far as, like, in the ring, man, Ray Mysterio. Like, on all the video games, that was always Ray Mysterio because yeah. he was he was like a superhero to me. Like, yeah. he could fly. The man could fly. And he could fly right into the trailer when the NWO tossed him into one <laughs> a few weeks later. They lawn dart him. Uh, what'd you think of this match? Oh, unbelievable match. Unbelievable match. It was, it told a great story. Started off slow, built up, built up. And as soon as you think, oh, Ray's going to get it, they cut him off, built up. But, oh, just, it was done very beautifully. Conan is with Gene Okerlund. He has to explain how the last match just ended. Flair wants his U.S. title back for some reason, even though earlier in this year he was the world champion. So I don't know why he's fucking around with this U.S. belt. But. Because gold follows Rick Flair. Conan sort of flubs through his promo. I'll include it here. All right, I know for a fact that last night you wrestled in Mexico. You've had a hard day of travel in uh, jetting to Los Angeles, then back here to uh, Florida. Tonight, I talked earlier on with the nature boy, Ric Flair. He seems to me to be very confident. I might even say, Conan, he is overconfident. This title is on the line. Flair wants it badly. Well, maybe he's got reason to be overconfident. You know, he's done it all. He's won that world title 13 times. Nobody's else, nobody else has done that. But tonight, I'm overly cautious because every, everywhere he goes, he has an entourage. I haven't been here long enough to form an alliance. I haven't been here long enough to be afforded that luxury. But I'll tell you something, Ric Flair. If your manager gets in the match, I'll cripple him. If one of the women get into the match, I'll clothesline him. If that football player gets into the match, I'll chop block him. But Ric Flair, I'm going back home with this U.S. title. All right, uh, I would say this man has got his act together after a long day of travel. Conan with a title defense coming up here at the Bash of the Beach. Tony reminds us he's still worried about Eric Bischoff. How do you follow that amazing, I'd say probably four-star match? Big Bubba versus John Tenta. Who is not a shark, who is not an avalanche. No, this is just straight John Tenta. Who has half his head shaved. This is a... Now, this match I I know nothing about. Did, I'm assuming Big Bubba shaved part of his head. Yes. Yes, okay. he did. It, but it happened like a month ago. So that means John Tenta had to keep up 
kayfabe and shave half of his head and mustache and beard <laughs> for walk around like this for a month. This was a, he got kicked out of the Dungeon of Doom. Right. So he wasn't Shark anymore. No. He has a f- very famous promo. I'll include it here. It happened on Nitro where he says he's, he's not a shark. He's a man. He's John Tenta. I'm not the shark. I'm not a fish. I'm not an avalanche. I'm a man. John Tenta. This is this is the payoff, Matt. They were they were actually supposed to have another match after this, but after this disaster we're about to watch, it got canceled. So the Dungeon of Doom was uh, really falling apart at uh, this time. Uh, they were kind of uh, losing control, and once the NWO came into power, well, the uh, Dungeon of Doom was pretty much over. But this is a uh, a breakup angle for. Uh, Actually, Conan would join the Dungeon of Doom shortly after this for like two months, but then the uh, the Dungeon of Doom came to a uh, an end. You're putting silver dollars in a sock. This is a Vince Russo type of uh, it is. idea here. It's a pole. Tape, it's a pole match. Tape to the top of a pole. However, both men are at least close to 300 pounds. These are not men that can scale poles very well. And this pole is so big, Rey Mysterio couldn't jump it and reach it. No, it is uh, very excessively high. This for... is 25 feet. I mean, it has to <laughs> it's be. It's not 25 feet, but it's very tall. You are the Jim Ross of heights. It's you know 25 that? feet. It has, it, to it has to be 75 feet in the air. It has to be 25 feet. Would you say 15 they hung the coins way too high. That's what I'll say. Is that I didn't understand when I saw them how this was going to end. I didn't even with Jimmy Hart because I knew Jimmy Hart was going to be the one that's going to have to try and get these things. Oh, I really thought they were going to actually unhook it and just in some way it was a gimmick pole and he was one of them was going to bend it down. To oh, them. that's a, that's actually a pretty cool idea to show you like to get, muscles or yeah. something. You know. But that doesn't win you. The match. Getting the coins does not win you the match. Right. You win the match by knocking the man out with the sock full of coins. And that is how you win. Correct. So it's a very convoluted idea for a feud that is very weak. No one really cares about it, but let's do it. What the fuck? Tenta knows he can't climb the pole, so he's immediately researching a way to unhook the pole, just like you talked about. So while he's doing that, Big Bubba... Came to the ring with some tape. So he's just going to tape uh, John Tenta to the ropes. That way he can focus on trying to figure out how to get these silver dollars down. This silver dollar on a pole match. Yeah. Then Bubba instead goes and gets a belt and starts beating Tenta in the face with oh, it. Oh, man. He's whipping him. Bubba goes and gets some scissors. Then I'm like, uh-oh. Sid Vicious. This is getting this is getting <laughs> violent here. What is about to happen? He's already cut half his hair off. He wants to cut more of his hair off. And these are like medical scissors, by the way. These aren't just like a pair of scissors. No, these are, yeah. It's a very weird pair of scissors they picked. But instead, Tinta punches him away and cuts himself loose. He takes the scissors and he tries to cut the pole down. He's not having much luck with these scissors and these leather straps holding this pole. We get a boss man sidewalk slam to Tinta. Then Bubba says, hey, Jimmy, you're not doing anything. Climb that pole and get that shit. Jimmy goes up there. Gets a silver dollar bag, but doesn't realize that John Tinta has awoken and tosses the silver dollars to the wrong man. Yes. 
Now John Tinta has the bag of silver dollars. Knocks Big Bubba into next week with the bag of silver dollars. Wins the match. Then he empties out the silver dollars and puts them on the eyes of Big Bubba, which is really creepy now that both of these men are deceased. Just like they used to do in old coffins, put coins on the eyes. Yes. That's what John Tinta does to Big Bubba as he wins this uh, very, very terrible match. But you missed the best part of this match. What would that be? He's a gagging for air! He's a gagging for air! Got him in a sleeper hold. He's a gagging for air. <laughs> I'll try and fetch some of Dusty's best work on oh, commentary. Oh, that right there made this match enjoyable to the fact that it was on. What a shitty match, though, to follow yeah. Ray and Psychosis. Yeah, it started up high, and it's now going down. For some reason, Tony Schiavone is wearing a Hawaiian lei. They're in Daytona, by the way. I don't know why he's wearing this. Gene is backstage with Team WCW, who all have Sting face paint, which I loved. I love Unity. Oh, yeah. And the fact that it's their matching colors of their tights, too. Yeah. It was really cool. Especially Savage. It's very different. Yeah, it's very weird to see, especially Macho Man with face paint on. Yeah. Now, we've, we've talked about this before. This Team WCW, not my ideal Team WCW. Now, I realize that they needed faces. Yes. I would have I would have put Savage. I, would've. I wouldn't have put Savage. Really? I love Savage, but he he got there the same time as Hogan. I would have put Sting, Savage, and Flair. I would have put Sting, Flair. It's the third man I have trouble with thinking about who, who would make the best third man. I would almost put... The Giant? Yeah, since he's the champ. I understand that they're heels and faces, but this is a hostile takeover. Yeah. Their so, jobs are on the line. Yeah. There's no heel or faces. This is unity. They're gonna, this is us against them. They're going to have to come together. So that's exactly the team I would have put together. Even though I know Flair was in the WWF at one point too, but he's still... I mean, when you think Ric Flair, you don't think of that, that little run in the early 90s. You think of NWA Ric Flair every Saturday at 6.05. So that's the team I would have, even though I know Sting. The problem is they had done this breakup with Sting and Ric Flair just in October. So they didn't want to go back to that, I'm sure. They needed to put Luger on something. They needed faces. And eh, just, this isn't my ideal team WCW, but it, it worked out in the end. I can't knock it because it's, it's the, it's what happens in the main event is the single biggest moment in the company's history. Yeah. I think without a doubt. So I can't really knock it too much about, but. I'm just saying, Sting was a definite. Sting, there, Sting has to be w- yeah. Team WCW. And, well, and the fact that it was mentioned that possibly he was going to be the one that turned. Macho says he doesn't care who the NWO's third man is. Luger says actions speak louder than words. And Sting says he's got goosebumps and they are pumped and ready. And I love the way they end this promo because they all pose and growl and walk off camera like an old old 80s promo. it was. Again, gentlemen, I thank you very much. It is very tense back here in the locker room area coming up tonight. A match that uh, many have labeled as a hostile takeover match. These outsiders are going to have a third man joining them. They're going to be facing the macho man, Randy Savage. Former tag team champions, they've held numerous titles. Of course, the current reigning uh, WCW World Television champ, the total package, Lex Luger Sting. Guys, I don't think I've addressed this. I'm assuming everybody is in the building right now, Macho. And uh, who do you think their third man is going to be? You know what? 
I don't care. I know it's gonna be somebody. So that's really all that matters to me. Because he's gonna get hurt just like those other guys are gonna get hurt. This is equal opportunity, equal war type situation. We're gonna take him out, are we not? Lex Luger, it's gotta be very, very difficult to prepare when you don't know who this third man is. That's very true, Gene, but we are prepared. You know, we've waited a long time for this. They've made a lot of noise, haven't they? A lot of loud noise. They've come in and talking trash. The WCW was an honor and privilege to be chosen for this team. I speak on behalf of all of us, and we were represented well. We were represented to the best of our abilities. And you know what, guys? What is it? You know what point needs to be made here? Make the point, what is it? You've thrown announcers through stages, you've talked real loud, but now actions speak louder than words. Isn't that right, oh, Stinger? Man. You know what the unknown does mean, Gene? The unknown gives me a real dry mouth. The unknown makes me a nervous wreck. The unknown puts chills right up and down my spine. I like that, that's good. The unknown gives me goosebumps all over my body. And you know something? It does the same thing to the Macho Man. It does the same thing to the total package. We are a team and we are pumped and ready. We're up for this one. You guys I better get it. Let's just go do it. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We are the total package. Lex Luger staying at the Macho Man. Yeah, it, it reminded me so much of uh, how Warrior used to always do that right before he walked off. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed uh, seeing them all in the unity of the face paint because Sting is the franchise. Great booking, whoever decided to do that. Now, I know we just had a match that featured tape. Let's have another one. A taped fist match with DDP and Jim Duggan. It's the Lord of the Ring match. No Frodo or Bilbo Baggins, though. Just two wrestlers fighting over the Battle Bowl ring, which is not a title. It's not something that you can be, I don't think, can be put on the line, you know. I don't think that's... It was stolen. It was stolen, but Jim Duggan wasn't the one that stole it. I think someone else stole it. Jim Duggan's a face. He would never steal the ring. It was stolen. Jim Duggan went and got it back. Right. For DDP. However, DDP then thought he stole it from him. If I'm understanding this right and trying to remember my history. Yeah. It's very confusing. And so, at that point in time... It became a match for the Battle Bowl ring where Jim Duggan was just like, here, I don't want it. I'm trying to give it back to you. Very <laughs> confusing. Another match that this was a, these two matches in a row, these were piss break matches. This is when I would have <laughs> got up and just gone to the bathroom. You would have went and got you a beer. And and like like you said, DDP already has his ring back. He's got what yeah. he wanted. Yeah. So this is a, by the way, a tape fist match. Guess what Jim Duggan doesn't have on his fists? Tape. <laughs> so. I, I know. I know. By the way, it's funny. USA chance for two Americans in the ring, by the way. Diamond Dallas Page and Jim Duggan. I know they're chanting for Duggan, but yeah, it doesn't really work if they're just both Americans. We're just cheering for America. And I thought a tape fist match, that their fists would be taped to each other somehow. I thought it was going to be like the chain, the dog collar match or whatever gotcha. we saw later on. Okay. But uh, no, just tape, taped fists, which like CM Punk, he always taped his fists. Some wrestlers always tape their The difference fists. In, a, in a tight fist match is you're actually allowed to use closed fists. Thanks, referee. That is you That find- actually is, there's no DQs. You're allowed to use closed fists. Anything goes. Well, Jim Duggan, I guess, didn't care about using closed fists or doing anything, really. So he just didn't tape his fists. Yeah. DDP uses his tape 
to tape Duggan's feet around the turnbuckle, repeating almost the same spot from the John Tenta match. Oh, yeah. Last time. Now, Nick Patrick, Nick Patrick goes out there and cuts Jim Duggan free. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This is a no DQ. This is a tape fist. This isn't this anything goes. But he helps out Jim Duggan. Yes. Nick Patrick, the face referee for so you know. Yes. He's leading us on. He's leading us to believe that he's a good guy. Yeah, he rides that borderline of face and heel to the point that you never he's knew. He's a tweener. Yeah. You never knew. Uh the only note I have in this match is that DDP hits a diamond cutter and wins. And then Duggan no sells it, gets back to his feet. Finally gets a roll of tape out of his tights and cheap shots DDP. What a great face Jim Duggan is. And he got all his heat back. No sold the fucking diamond cutter. Made DDP look like shit. What a waste of time. What a just a waste of time. This match was so stupid. It was booked so backwards. Yeah. We cut the Steiners and Harlem Heat for this match. Eric Bischoff made the executive decision that this should go on over that. I would have much rather had Steiners and Harlem Heat over John Tenta and Ray Trailer. Yeah, I would have had most of those main event matches. Eddie and Lord Steven Regal. I would oh, have, the main yeah. event card was amazing. <laughs> yeah, main event needs to go on the network so we can watch it. Kevin Sullivan is backstage. He cuts a terrible promo with the Giant about the Dungeon of Doom. Gentlemen, please come on in. Jimmy Hart, you little twerp. The seven foot four inch, four hundred and seventy one pound heavyweight champion of the world. Representing World Championship Wrestling, the giant Kevin Sullivan. Tonight, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, two out of the four horsemen. And considering, well, considering you, Mr. Sullivan, no disrespect, things don't look real good for you personally. I don't think they're going to let this guy even get in the ring. They're going to double-team you if they get a shot. They're going to double-team me. They can bring all four horsemen out. Let me tell you something. This is home court advantage, and there's something burning in my gut. You think I'm the weak link? Well, ask the giant, and he'll tell you exactly what I am. Giant, uh, be honest with us. Do you consider the Taskmaster the weak link of the Dungeon of Doom? I never and once in my life would ever consider the Taskmaster as a weak link. He is the backbone of the Dungeon of Doom. He is the one that brought the giant to WCW to reclaim my birthright and put an end to all that Hulkamania stuff. And you talk about the horsemen, the elite, this, that, and the other. They're not the elite. I am the world heavyweight champion. I always will be. I am the elite. You come after the Taskmaster, you come after Kevin Sullivan in his hometown, his home court. <laughs> Looks like we're going to have some horse stew later. <laughs> All right, uh, they are thoroughbreds. Don't make no mistake about that, Jimmy Hart. The best of the horsemen go against the best of the dungeon. We'll see who wins. <laughs> Can you, can you do me a favor? I don't want to offend you, but would you brush your teeth? You know, Stop it with me. About how they're going to have a match with the Horsemen later. Then Lee Marshall is with Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. If they win tonight, whoever gets the pinfall gets a world title shot on Monday Nitro. So there might be a little infighting tonight in the uh, Horsemen versus Dungeon of Doom match. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. This is the end of the road, Benoit says. He's going to leave Sullivan for dead. Oh. Ooh. I do want to mention something here, though. You look at the Giant then and now. About year 2001, 2002 is when he just quit trying to stay in shape. As soon as he jumped ship, it just fell apart. Yeah. Well, now today he looks better than he did. Yeah, then. He's yeah. now he's looking ripped. I mean, but... He was also very young here, too. I so. feel like 
I feel like had he stayed in this type of physical condition when he went to WWF, he he would have had. I mean, I'm not saying his career is over, but it would have been a lot, lot more successful than what it ever dared turn out. Well, and he was booked so badly on his debut. Yeah. To cost, no, to help Austin win by throwing him through. It was supposed to make Big Show look strong by yeah. throwing Austin, but inadvertently he fucked McMahon over. It made, it made the giant look like an idiot on night one. Yeah. You know, the constant face and heel turns with him. Yeah, and staying in shape. I mean, being sent back to OVW, you know, to get healthy and then having to come back and then being sent back again. And then you come back, and then you're, you know, it just, and then cha- the changing of his look, the changing of his finishing move, a lot of inconsistency with Paul White here. Yeah. But he was, of course, a guy that, he was discovered at a charity basketball game by Hulk Hogan. This was a guy that had no, I, you know, had no intention of being a wrestler. Yeah. Just kind of stumbled into it. So I can't really blame him for the faults of his career or, you know, not staying in shape or well, whatever. Well, his, his training, I mean, you got to think about it. He got trained and then within three months was handed the world title. Yeah, his very first match is basically... Yeah. From from day of from day of stepping in a ring to train to three months being world champion. That is insane. That is something that, I mean, literally never happens. And it was because of his size and his ability. But you I also, mean, he was a marvel to look at. Oh, yeah. His working ability was still... He was green. Yeah, but still better than anything we saw out of Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, and, and when it came to learning the business side of the business he's learning from hogan in his ear he's learning from savage in his ear and he's learning at wcw which yeah. wasn't the best he's learning about making money not about which wasn't the best business side of learning business so the four-man dog collar match is up next i thought this would be four individual wrestlers i didn't realize it was just two tag teams yes with dog collars two tag teams Public Enemy versus... Nah, 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 nah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll include some of the... Pub, which is dubbed over on the network, but sometimes it's not dubbed over. It's, yeah. They pick and choose when they dub it over. And then, of course, they're going to take on the Nasty Boys. We're the Nasty Boys. We're the boys. They're going to be collared up to each other for reasons. We don't really know why. Yeah, for reasons we don't know. This brings up another great dusty discussion about plunder. And uh, explaining plunder, oh, yeah, it gets yeah. into a long definition of plunder to the thumb, other thumb, announcers. Thumb, thumb, plunder, baby. Tony still wonders where Eric Bischoff is, dude. He's not here. Yeah, uh, we saw is, him get power bombed at Great is, American Bash. This is match four. It's done. Yeah. It's done. Let it go. Four person dog collar match between the Nasties and the Public Enemy. Knobs will be connected via dog collar to Johnny Grunge, and Jerry Sags will be connected to Rocco Rock with their uh, dog collars. Now, it's a chain in between. You have a chain in between both dog collars, and neither one of them can get away from each other. That's pretty much, I guess, the easiest way to put it. So, these guys, they just brawl outside the ring. And Craig Leathers, the director, makes the decision to put up the split screen. So, now I have no idea... What the fuck is going on? Because instead of focusing on, look, pick one pair of the guy, whoever's doing the more action, focus on that. 
and swap then, over. And swap over. Yeah. Instead, they go to the split screen, which they did with like World War Three. Only they put three screens up for that. So I had no idea what happened in World War Three. But they did it for this. It was just this was just a plunder, plunder fuck. Yeah. I mean, they would just hit. Uh, at one point, grunge chokes sags with a chain. They grab plunder from the trash can and they just smash each other with plunder. He's a gagging for ill. <laughs> Rocco gets crotched on the guardrail. Sags and grunge go to the sand on the set and uh, get to play around in the sand for a roll around in the sand together. Very romantic, these Aww. two. Grunge. I love this. As Sags and Grunge are fighting on the set, they find Jerry Sags finds an inflatable rubber shark. Oh, yes. And hits Johnny Grunge. And Johnny Grunge actually sells this rubber shark. A rubber inflatable shark like it hurt. (laughs) Yes. Then Sags hits Rocco Rock with a surfboard. Knobs tries to cover with the surfboard as a pinning utensil and gets a two count on the ramp. Sags takes a 360 centon from Rocco on the lifeguard stand. Uh, the camera almost misses because I think they went back to split screen. Rocco wants to try it again. Uh, tips over that lifeguard stand. That lifeguard stand uh, took the biggest bump of the night, I yeah, think. Not that much of a, uh, a sturdy stand. Sags pile drives Rocco Rock on the concrete. Oh, yeah. that He should be dead at that point in time. That's it. Gets covered. The cover gets broken up by Johnny Grunge. They set up a table in the aisleway. Rocco Rock splashes Sags through this table. Correct. But the camera misses it. Yes. Thanks a lot. Knobs covers Grunge from this splash and only gets a two count. They go back to the ring and they have found another table. Yes. They no. have found, ladies this, and gentlemen. This is where this gets good. The no. world's sturdiest table this, has been discovered. This is this is great. Cause if you have ever seen a match where this does not happen, it's very rare. <laughs> but it is the most hilarious thing to watch as a fan, but the most aggravating thing to watch if you're in that ring. Because of the finish. Oh, it's, this screws it's the, the finish. finish. It screw yeah, it's it is the finish. So, Rocco Rock puts yeah. uh Sags. Sags on the table and climbs up to the top rope. At this point in time, Sags gets up, Sags grabs the chain, yanks it. Rocco Rock flips off the top rope, back first onto the table. Table doesn't give. Just bounces right off. That bounces it. off, and the I was like... strongest table in the world. I was like, oh shit, he broke his back. Like, it was ugly. It was really ugly. At this point in time... They're like, okay. Yeah. We gotta repeat the spot. We gotta do this again. We gotta somehow break this, this table. Is our, this is our finish. We gotta do this. So, so now Rocco is just put on the table. Yeah, Rocco's put on the table. Jerry Sags gets on the second rope. Wraps that chain around the elbow. Gonna give him a big elbow drop. Jumps off, hits him with the elbow drop, and the table does nothing. <laughs> Rocco, at this point in time, is dead. Slides yeah. off one side. Sags slides off on the other. And they're going, shit, what do we do? Yeah, Knobs is busy hanging Grunge over the ropes to uh, distract him. So what the Nazis come up with is that they clothesline Rocco Rock with, with the, the chain, with the chain, and pins him. That's the best they could come up with. And look, I mean, they tried. They tried. Yeah. At that point in time, the chain. Ha- Botchmania calls these tables that don't break table of Japan because they are strong style tables. Oh. So, uh, I am it, the table was the real winner of this match. Oh man, dude, that thing. I think it's still standing to this day. <laughs> it, it did no, not. No, they made a point to fucking take out some anger on that table after the match. Tony summarizes it. That was a mess. 
That's what he says at the end of this amazing match. Now, the the table not breaking reminded me of uh, the show in Rome a few years ago. Yes. Where your boy, Luke Gallows, was determined. Now, this is just a normal Rome convention center. We don't have gimmick tables. No. So they decide to put a legit table in the middle of this ring. And Luke Gallows says, you guys should put me through that. Power bombing through that. Yes. They try once a top turnbuckle power bomb. Did Nothing. not break. Nope. They try it again. Yes. Did not break. I was like, this man is insane. And now he's in the he near he could have killed himself trying yes. to just go through this table. Let it go. At some point, just and let at it the go. third time he tries it, it did not break again, and he was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Screw the table. We're we'll move on to something else. So if you're gonna do table spots, make sure you have the right table. Yeah. Make sure the the table's right for you. Don't skimp on your table budget. Don't skimp on your table budget, yeah. We go to Mean Gene. He's backstage. He's surrounded by security. He's not going to get beat up by the outsiders tonight. He'll go to a lawyer, he says. Gene wants to talk to the outsiders about who the third man is, but they won't talk to him. Of course not. Why would they? Well, Tony, I don't know if I have an answer. I will tell you this. As you recall, our broadcast colleague, Eric Bischoff, was injured at the hands of these two outsiders. They're in a locker room right behind me here. I have security. If either one of these men would have the gall, the unmitigated gall to touch me, I would go right to a lawyer's office. They have done the damage already in World Championship Wrestling. Tony, Dusty, certainly Bobby the Brain Heenan, even you can empathize with what is going through the mind of Eric Bischoff. He's seen these two men. Apparently, anyone and everyone is fair game. Tonight, though, in my opinion, they are going to have their hands full. I was hoping to get one of the outsiders out here for some kind of an idea, some kind of word regarding who their third man is. I mean, we have had speculation in recent weeks on numerous people that could fill that particular position, the third man to join these two big men. Right now, I have this shield here. That will not be the case out of the ring during our main event, the hostile takeover match. The electricity, even back here, is just absolutely so thick you could cut it with the night. Ladies and gentlemen, you are part of history, history in the making, here at the Bash of the Beach. Further thoughts, let's go back to our broadcast team out in the arena. Cruiserweight title match. Now, a few weeks ago, we complained that this man was the cruiserweight champion at one point, but here he is wrestling for the belt. It's Disco Inferno. Yes. Who is going to take on Dean Malenko in a match that is uh, over Disco's dancing. Dean does not approve of Disco's dancing. He does not find it to be amusing or funny or fun. And this is really just a squash match because Disco gets the shit beat out of him. Uh, here, this is one of the most lopsided matches. Malenko tears into him pretty rough. This is uh, this reminds me of a few years ago, Brock versus Cena, where Cena may- maybe got four or five moves in, and uh, that was it. Yeah. And, uh, so this was this was that. Disco comes out with his gold record. I didn't know he had a gold record. I he didn't did. Know. Yes. He. Uh, I didn't know he was a recording artist. Later on, during the Russo years, Three Count would uh, have a ladder match for a gold record. So. During New Blood Rising. So, uh, there you go. Dean, the technical wrestler, decides instead to come out and immediately bash Disco in the face outside of the ring to start the match. Dusty thinks Dean does not like to dance. I think Dusty's right. Dean hits a delayed brain buster for a two count. Yeah. 
a side suplex. Disco is not getting any offense in this match. Disco finally gets some corner punches on Dean Malenko and a clothesline, which gets the crowd a little bit on Disco's side here that he finally gets some offense. Hits a stun gun on Dean, but didn't cover him because he wanted to uh, check his hair first. You get a face buster on Dean for a two count. And that's pretty much it for Disco's offense in this match. Tony mentions it's a sold out arena allegedly, because when the camera pans around, it's completely dark. So there's no way to prove to me that it's sold out or not. Right. I highly right. doubt it was, but if it's dark, hey, can't you, you can't say I'm lying because you can't see. It's all them free tickets. Disco hits a jawbreaker, but Malenko gets a leg on the ropes. Heenan says Disco needs a manager. I don't think a manager would have helped Disco very much. Not even a Bobby Heenan could help Disco's character out. Springboard dropkick to the back of Disco's head. And Disco rolls the Texas Cloverleaf attempt into a sneaky little uh, pin attempt. Gets a two count. The match ends when Dean hits a Tiger Bomb into a Texas Cloverleaf. And Disco Inferno has no choice but to cry uncle. Dean Malenko retains his cruiserweight title in what was a display of dominance for Dean Malenko. A real showcase of what this guy could do. He's a screaming uncle! He's a screaming uncle. Thank you, Dusty. It's good to have you with us. Yes. Joe Gomez is out next. Oh, boy. Oh, man. This match was (laughs) completely brutal. He's got his work cut out for him, as the announcers say, because he's going to get to face Mongo McMichael in Mongo's only third professional wrestling match. Mongo comes out with Deborah, and he's got a new dog. He has abandoned Pepe and traded it for a poodle because he's a heel. And he's a horseman now. And horsemen like poodles. Dusty calls him as a fellow Texican. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Texican. Three-point stance clothesline to Gomez. In Steve Mongo McMichael's voice, he shouts to Gomez, What's wrong, baby? I can't do it. Steve Mongo's voice is un... Yeah. You can't replicate it. No. Gomez fires up on McMichael, but only for a second, and actually busts McMichael's lip uh, because Michael didn't know what he was doing. And I said to myself here, I can't believe in this Four Horsemen group they replaced Brian Pillman with Mongo. How do you go? I don't. From, yeah. I mean, this is a topic I've always wanted to get on, so I'm glad you brought it up. My idea for the Four Horsemen would have been to put Malenko in Pillman's spot and have Mongo as uh, the J.J. Dillon type. The, yeah. the, not necessarily the mouthpiece because I mean Flair is really the mouthpiece of the Four yeah. Horsemen, but to have him in the background as an enforcer, even though there's already an enforcer, but uh, that way that he could train, he could get better. He he wouldn't be he wouldn't be thrust out there, right, for the world to see how limited he was. That way he could be in the background, and then when he's finally ready, then. You can bring him in, and, and and he can be a more full-time wrestler. It's just so strange that they went from Pillman, they went from a little guy who did, who was a hard worker to Mongo. I just don't know how they made that leap in logic. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see how they could go from from someone who is as talented as Brian Pillman, an overachiever, an overachiever, a a literally a man ahead of his time, skipping over Dean Malenko and going straight to Mongo. 
<laughs> Even though everything about Dean Malenko's character is horseman. I mean, straight to the point horseman, which is why he became a horseman later on. But they could have... Malenko should have been a horseman from day one. That way they could have had the U.S. belt, the world belt, the cruiserweight belt, the tag belts. They yeah. could have had them all. Yeah, I agree. Mongo does a hysterical delayed flatback to a jawbreaker. Like, he gets a jawbreaker and then goes like, Whoa! And then flatbacks. Mongo tries a figure four but gets rolled up for a near fall. A very botched sunset roll between Gomez and Mongo. Mongo eventually picks... Gomez up and mercifully gives him the tombstone pile driver, which I can't believe they would let a guy like Mongo use. Like, yeah, this was his actual finisher, I know. The, which was mind blowing because I would you not could kill someone with this thing. Oh yeah, and there is no way in hell if you tell me, oh, I've only had three matches, I'm gonna be like, okay, yeah, you can give me a tombstone. Joe Gomez is out of his freaking mind. Hey, he just does what he does. He's a jobber. Pin me, pay me, right? That's true. Pin me, pay me. Gene is backstage with Liz and Woman. Woman is massaging Gene. Flair then struts in, singing La Cucaracha, very politically correct, about his match coming up with Conan. Flair says he has unlimited knowledge, even though Conan has a thousand holds, which I think he got confused with Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holds. Gene gets invited to a private party, though, with Nate after the show. Yeah. He's going to get laid. Woman woman is wanting him to show up. I don't think that uh, Sullivan and Benoit would be okay with that, but you know. Woman, uh, please, you distract me. I can't do a job as a professional if you're going to constantly do that to me. Ric Flair, you've got to have other things on your mind this evening. An opportunity of gaining, yet as I said earlier, Another trophy for your large trophy you cage. You can never have enough trophies in life. Now, Mongo did it once. The Nature Boy will do it twice. And then Double A and the Crippler will take down the devil and the giant. And tomorrow night at Nitro, woo, I will be a man with a U.S. championship and a world heavyweight championship. Mean Gene, La Cucaracha, woo, brother, it's Bash at the Beach. And we are here in Daytona to style, woo, and profile. Take a look at yes. what's not south of the border, brother, but right here in Daytona, La Cucaracha. Elizabeth, I'm very woo. curious, uh, what Conan. kind of a... They say that you're a man with a thousand holds. Tonight, brother, you gotta meet a man that has unlimited knowledge of the greatest sport in the world. Right, Mean Gene? Do you mind if I talk to the ladies? Don't mind at all, I would assume across the street at that big, large uh, hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, uh, Elizabeth, you're gonna be throwing a little party. I know you've got some extra money in your pockets these days. Oh, absolutely. There's gonna be a great big party. Great big, a great big party? Yeah. <laughs> is it something that I should be included in? Oh, I think a uh, woman would like that. Woman, is that true? Yes, I would. I'd have Liz tap into that big source of money she's got so we can have a private party, Gene. A, 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 a pri private party? Yes, yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. Please, mean jeans. don't embarrass me. Let me make me. reference to one more point. Macho man, we know you're focused. We know you've got great plans for later tonight, but Macho, never stop looking at that camera. Never stop, stop thinking, wondering, and praying that someday, whoo, 
the lovely one could be back home because, brother, it's never going to happen. Woo! I think, uh, Ric Flair, you have said it all, as they say in the beer commercial. My friend, not only said it all, done it all. Woo! Conan, grab your best hold, kid. Nature boy, coming your way. Woo! You know, woman, if anything, you know, I've, I'm, I've got a commitment elsewhere, but uh, I must say, if anything were to happen, you've been very, very kind to me, very attractive. I just don't particularly care for the people that you hang around with these days. Is that true? Well, I just don't believe that, Gene. I believe you have it bad for me, and you don't care who I hang with or what I do. Isn't that right, darling? Mean Gene, bottom me. line is, woman makes one more advance towards you. You won't be able to go back to Sarasota. You'll be across the street on the penthouse with the nature bar and the girls partying in Daytona. Woo! All night long. Tell him, Mean Gene, Conan, we're fixing Thank to you. that aisle. In addition to wrestling, Woo! we're going to have a little pole vaulting competition here. Let's get you back up to the ring for more action. Flair reminds Macho, hey, buddy, don't forget about me. We're still in a feud. And uh, Liz and me, one day, we're coming for you, buddy. Woman flirts with Gene again, and he denies her, and he says if he hangs out with Nate, he'll, he might forget about his wife. So Gene wants to stay faithful, but it's very tough. When He's you, trying. Conan, the U.S. champ, is out first. Uh-oh, not a good sign. Not a good sign when the champ's out first. Flair comes out, and then oddly... Shakes Conan's hand to start this match. Yeah, as it it probably was a genuine show of respect because Mexico. I mean, Conan was huge. He was the Hulk Hogan of Mexico. Oh yeah, he was. I mean, and in a lot of ways, this is a dream match for for uh, Mexican wrestling fan for fans of Triple A. Yeah, and fans of WCW. This is a dream match. Yeah. So this was probably an honest to goodness. I'm shaking your hand because you're you're a huge star. You've accomplished something. When others wouldn't have been able to, you yeah, earned no, Flair's respect. Yeah, Conan drop kicks Flair and then smacks him in the face. So Conan playing a little dirty with the dirtiest player in the game. No more respect. Flair's gonna start wrestling like Ric Flair now. We go to lots of rest holds here. Conan at one point woos at Flair. Like, oh, that's blasphemous. Yeah, you don't woo at Ric Flair. How dare you? Unless you're Jay Lethal and you can woo perfectly. Jay Lethal's Ric Flair <laughs> impression is still one of the greatest things I've ever seen. One of the greatest moments in Tina. We talked about uh, Elix Skipper's cage walk. I would say Jay Lethal's Ric Flair uh, yeah. impression is probably right up there. In yeah, some it, of- it goes hand in hand. It's it's great. Flair chops to Conan in an uppercut. Then we get a back body drop to Flair. And then Conan puts Flair in the surfboard. Well, sort of. He can't get Flair quite bent correctly for a surfboard. Flair's back. You have to... Please understand this. Uh, Flair had, he survived two plane crashes, in which point in time he broke his back in one of them. So, not too flexible of a man. No. The back is, his back will bend one way, but it's not going to go the other. So, Conan gets some offense here a scoop slam, a clothesline, and it sends Flair outside. Conan tackles Flair and Liz off the apron accidentally instead of staying in the ring and trying for the countout, which I thought was stupid. Just stay in the ring if the dude's outside. Woman then sneak attacks Conan while he's outside. They get back in the ring. Flair hits his signature knee drop to Conan. Flair thumb to the eye of Conan gets a warning from the ref. And then Woman delivers a low blow, a devastating low blow to Conan. Oh, man, she rears back and kicks him as hard as she possibly can. Liz distracts the ref now while woman rakes Conan in the face. 
it's one on three here. Yeah. Woman is a vicious, vicious, vicious woman. Flair hits a delayed vertical suplex for a near fall. Conan fires up after Flair locks him in an endless chin lock. We get a few rights to Flair and chops to Flair. Corner punches, a Flair flop, then a Flair flip, which Conan counters with a springboard drop kick, which was really awesome. Flair does the old beg for forgiveness spot, but Conan decks him in the face. A sunset flip, but Flair, he does the whoa and punches Conan in the face instead. Tries a figure four, but Conan rolls it into a small package for a two count. Conan then puts Flair in a figure four. Conan needs some lessons in applying the figure four, by the way. Not the prettiest looking figure four I've seen. Flair gets to the ropes. Flair gets tossed off the top turnbuckles to the shock of nobody for a two count. I love Dusty here saying he keeps trying it. It hasn't worked for years. Why does he keep trying it now? It's not going to work for him. He takes too long. He can't figure it out. Well, Dusty should have waited around. It, It would take a few more years, but he finally landed one. One. <laughs> and his retirement match, he landed one. Conan rolls up Flair, but Liz distracts the ref. Woman has her high heel in her hand. Uh-oh. Oh, this ain't looking pretty. Dex Conan with it. Heenan, Heenan in a double entendre says, what a heel. Flair covers with his feet on the top rope for leverage. And the new U.S. champ is Ric Flair for whatever reason. A decent match. Uh, oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, it was fun. I mean, all the all the shenanigans. This you know. is probably one of Colin's best matches. Oh, that that is blasphemy. That is not this is not a good Conan match. Conan was still struggling to figure out who he was going to be. This was pre... Uh, I like this version of Conan. The mask and the lucha style. I could not stand the gangster Conan. No, I like I like LAX Homicide Conan. I like Thug Thug Life Conan. Yeah, I don't like Thug Conan. I like his his triple A background Conan. Gene is backstage again. He's outside the NWO's locker room. He says he recognizes the third man's voice despite not seeing him, but it's muzzled. He can't figure it out. By the way, Hulk Hogan, one of the men with the most recognizable voices in the entire world. Well, you know something mean, Gene. <laughs> yeah, he's talked to Gene thousands of times, but Gene just can't figure it out. Tonight, we'll find out. Gene asked Tony if Tony knew who it is. Oh, Tony asked Gene if it's if he knew who it was. Gene says it's someone we know, but he doesn't know for sure. Heenan asked Gene to bribe the police guarding the door which would have sent Gene to jail. Don't get me into your crookedness. Tony asked Gene about Bischoff again. Jeez, man, leave yeah. it alone. At this point in time, it was getting way out of control. I have been, I hate to say this, I've been eavesdropping, and behind these doors are the outsiders, and apparently they have been joined by a third man. Let's try to get out here. I must confide in you, this third man's voice sounds somewhat familiar, but it's muffled, and I can't really identify it. It rings uh, in the back of my mind, but who it is, I really don't know. That's the question that people have been asking for a long, long time. Tonight, here at the Bash of the Beach, they are going to find out who will be joining these outsiders to meet Lex Luger, Sting, and the macho man, Randy Savage. Tony, I said I wanted you to stand by. All of this speculation, everything that we've heard in recent weeks, the chatter, the names that have popped up from time to time, from week to week, from day to day, from hour to hour. Tony, do you have any idea who might be the third man joining the Outsiders tonight. Uh, Gene, I, I don't have an idea. Have you heard? Let me ask you this. You've heard the voice. Give me a, give me a guess. Well, it, it, it's so muffled 
that I really can't identify, but it's something that springs in the subconscious. So it's somebody that you obviously... It's somebody that we've seen, yeah. somebody that we've heard before. And Gene, uh, Gene, Bobby yeah. Heenan. Yeah. Offer, we, those, uh, uh, offer the, the, the police there some cash. See if they'll talk. See if they saw who went in the door. Excuse me, see officer. See did, did you see anybody... Hey, wait a minute, Heenan. Don't get me involved in one of, one of your scams. Uh, Gene, do you know anything about Eric Bischoff? As not a thing. We have not heard anything. We haven't heard a word, not even a telephone call. I know you've requested a telephone call. If he could have seen the broadcast earlier tonight, if he's watching the pay-per-view, you certainly think he would have got back to us. Absolutely. But absolutely nothing. Control. Now it's time for the rest of the horsemen to show up. They're going to take on the Dungeon of Doom, which how, is... How long, before we hop in that, how long between Great American Bash... Was it till Bischoff reappears? No, till Bash. Oh, Great American Bash was last month. Okay, so but, we're talking a full month that Bischoff has been off air. Yeah. So why is he freaking out about it now? It's been a month. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a very good this point. This should have been like something a couple of weeks into Nitro. I think they thought that he, maybe on an episode of Nitro, they said that Bischoff's recovery was going well and that he would make it to the event. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, what was the, if it's if he's been missing for a whole month, why is it now he's so freaking out about it? What's going on? Yeah, why would he show up for work now? Yeah. Okay, proceed. I'm sorry. Time for the rest of the Horsemen versus the Dungeon of Doom, which is made up of Sullivan and the Giant. The Horsemen, which is Arn and Benoit, they're coming out to the ring. Uh-oh, sneak attack. Giant and Sullivan run them down on the ramp. But then, off camera, another great shot, guys, WCW. Steve McMichael, with the briefcase, nails the giant. So the giant chases McMichael to the back. The horseman's plan has worked to a T. Yeah. They've got Sullivan they to themselves. They separated them, and they got Sullivan to their cells, and it's two-on-one, and they wear Sullivan's ass out. And by the time the they get back, or the giant gets back to the ring to help, match has already started so he has to wait for the tag that's right and and arn knows how to cut off the ring oh man he is not getting near let me, the giant let, you cannot i cannot express arn anderson's ring tech psychology is i mean i i will say it i hate using this term mark but arn anderson is one for me arn anderson is without a doubt one of the most talented men to ever step in a wrestling ring psychology yeah he understands tag psychology yeah i need to keep this guy away we can make tags to each other keep working on him he he can take something so simple and make you analyze it and be like oh wow that was done so beautifully so benoit and arn just exchange tags and beat the shit out of sullivan and keep him in the corner giant even though he's a big man cannot reach his arm all the way to the other corner of the ring to get the tag Giant clotheslines Arn from the apron. A little dirty move there, Giant. And Sullivan nearly gets a three count off of it. Giant interferes and stops a Benoit crossbody, but still cannot get the tag, so the ref puts him back in the corner. Benoit and Arn are careful to keep Sullivan away from Giant, so that's what they do. Finally, the Giant finally gets the hot tag after a belly-to-back suplex to Arn. Then Arn smartly runs from the Giant. Good idea. Stay away from this guy. Benoit and Sullivan now, they have a blood feud going on from, they had that match at Great American Bash where they were, there's a lady in the men's room. This feud of theirs uh, goes beyond horsemen and dungeon business. We need to actually do that that, uh, pay-per-view just. There's a lady in the men's room. (laughs) So their feud goes far beyond. This is the start of the Nancy Sullivan-Benoit love triangle. Yes. 
So they are going to totally forget about this tag match, and they are going to literally go bash in the fake beach. They leave the ring and go fight in the sand. So that leaves Arn with Giant, who delivers a choke slam, and the Giant gets the win. Now, the stipulation, of course, going into this match was if the Horsemen win, one of them gets a title shot. So I guess since the Giant won, he gets the night off tomorrow. Yeah, he's, he gets off tomorrow night. Um, And by the way... Thanks a lot, Ric Flair. Thanks, Mongo. Where the fuck were you guys? Yeah. <laughs> or the rest of the Dungeon of Doom for that Mongo matter. did his part at the start, but then he dropped the ball the rest of the night. What kills me is they start battling back to the ring, and as they're battling back to the ring, they walk right past Giant and Jimmy Hart. Yeah, they're leaving. They're leaving town. And yeah, Benoit and Sullivan, they're going to keep fighting. You're right. Okay, well... They're battling to the ring where Arn's in the ring. Something should have been like, oh, well, shit, two on one. I probably don't need to leave and head to the back. I probably need to stay out here and help out my buddy, Kevin Sullivan. Right. Benoit chair shot Sullivan in the head. Yeah, and you're right. Giant had walked to the locker room. Walked right by these guys. Walked right by them. Benoit does a super belly to back suplex to Sullivan off the top turnbuckle. Then woman out of nowhere... Breaking some kayfabe here. Begs Benoit to stop beating the shit out of her husband. Which You're is going to hurt him. Anyway, so then the giant, I guess, decides, hey, maybe I should help out here. So he comes back out to stop Benoit, who just runs away from the giant. Yes. And then giant carries Sullivan like a big baby over his shoulder to the back. That's nice of him. Kevin though. Sullivan is a very short individual. So. He is a little man. It was nice of him to get carried to the back. But uh, it would have been nicer if he had stayed out there and helped. The whole time. Now it's the main event, Oh, man. The most important main event in WCW history. Who's the third man? Everything comes down to this. They replay basically the same music recap that they open the show with. I mentioned here, yeah, tag champs, Harlem Heat, nowhere to be found. They were on main event. Michael Buffer's in the ring, so you know this is serious. Remember, a lottery picked WCW's combatants totally random. This was totally at random, guys. I don't buy that bull. Hall and Nash are out first without their third man. Small detail here. Shouldn't the third man's name have been on the contract? I mean, don't all do all wrestling matches have contracts? This was a, sh- a sanctioned match. It's true. Maybe he just signed it with an X. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, you know. I'm just trying to, just some kind of reason why they wouldn't know. That is true. The man called Sting's music starts. Oh, but it's too early. And Gene walks down the ramp. He wants a word with these outsiders. Gene and Michael Buffer chat together for a second, which is really cool because these are the two best announcers of all time just having a chat before uh, Buffer hands him the mic. Gene goes over to the outsiders. Where is your third man? And despite being told not to be Razor Ramon, Scott Hall says, Hey, Chico, you know too much already. He's here and he's he's ready." ready. And then Kevin Nash goes, they got all that they can handle right here. Pointing between <laughs> the two of them. I don't have police protection with me at this time, but I want to confront you in front of this full house here at the Ocean Center and millions of others across the country and around the world. I don't see three men here tonight. Where is your partner? You know, Scheme Gene, Chico, you know too much already. All you need to know, little man, is he's here and he's ready. Well, if he's... Wait wait a minute. Where is he? Is your partner telling me that your third man is in the building? Oh, he's here all right, Gene. 
let me tell you something. We got enough to handle it right now, right here. Oh, for quite, come on. Oh, man, I'm going to tell come you what. Come on. They cannot handle our three guys. Yeah, okay, let's send three out and just kick their teeth in and get it over with. There you go. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so fucking arrogant. <laughs> now the man called Sting plays. No pyro as it went off early. Lex Luger leads Sting and Macho out to Sting's music, and then they get tons of pyro, which they totally ignore. They yeah. do not soak in their entrance at all here. No. Luger and Hall start the match. They shove each other before the bell rings. They're going to square off against each other. Now, Luger gets a toothpick to the face, and that gets Hall slapped in the face. Luger hits his bionic forearm to Hall before being tossed to the outside and being held by Nash in the corner. Out of nowhere, Sting sees an open opportunity, goes, hits a stinger splash on to Nash's back while they're both bent over, not realizing Luger is underneath Nash and rams his head straight into the ring post. Or did he? When you talk about the third man, like in modern wrestling booking, this is where he, this is the turn. This is what, he would be the third man. I mean, like basically, oh my God, we just got swerved by Sting. He just took out Luger. Now it's three on one against Macho Man. Then there was some thought that, you know, Luger, I believe this is on some of these Monday Night War things. There was a lot of talk about Luger. Hogan did not want to turn heel. He was very hesitant about turning heel. So then it was talked, we'll have Luger do it. Yeah, so Luger's going to get carted out and then come back out as the third man, which would make sense because he was relatively new to WCW too. Nash and them said... If it wasn't Hogan, it had to be Sting. It had to be your top guy to make it make it really pop and work, which makes sense. I don't even think it would have worked with Sting. It had to be Hogan. No, because I don't think Sting's... Well, considering Sting has had no experience as a heel... He even when he went to the, like the NWO and all that, that's when the NWO was cool and fan favorites and all that shit. Yeah, so. I mean, and he just... He wouldn't have been able to cut the promo that Hogan cut at the end of the night. Right. And the, that was essential. And also, it wouldn't have gotten all the... I don't... Yeah, I still think it would have gotten the garbage thrown in the ring. But nowhere near to the extent that, I mean... So now Luger's taken out on a stretcher. Uh-oh. So now it's two on two. Things are even. I love how they're strapping him down to the to the backboard and putting him on the stretcher. And Hall walks over and just starts smacking the shit out of him. And Sting, oh, Sting loses it and chases him around the ring. And Sting and Hall are now the legal men. We get an inverted atomic drop and a bulldog to Hall. Sting woos, tags in Macho Man, who gets cut off by Hall. Nash snake eyes Macho Man, and Hall is alone with Macho in the ring. Nash tags in to uh, pair off with Mach. I love how pro WCW the announcers are, especially Dusty. Dusty goes into overdrive for his love of WCW here. Tony mentions that, hey, you know what? They should have had to have brought out the third man. Yep. He's got a point. It was a three-on-three match. If he didn't show up, he can't. he's not allowed to come out. Sting tags in to take on Nash. Sting gets the Nash elbows and the big boot in the corner. Then Tony decides, you know what? Since they took out our third man, we should get a new third man. I mean, fuck the rules. Yeah. Fuck them. I say that's a good idea. Hall is back in the ring with Sting. A fallaway slam for two on Sting. Macho Man jaws with Nash as Nash tags in to poke around at Sting. Sting drop kicks Nash in the knees and needs a tag. He needs to get Macho in. Needs to get that hot tag. Hall gets a tag from Nash, but Sting is stuck in the middle of the ring. Sting gets stuck in an abdominal stretch from Hall. 
Sting is stuck in no man's land. He yeah, is in and, the and, NWO's and, corner. Yeah, and then and you have you have Hall reaching back and and uh, using getting the extra leverage from Nash, and it just uh, it's not looking good for Sting. It's not looking good for WCW. This is it. The end is near. Sting takes a beating as Hall tags Nash in to take over. Sting finally wakes up, chops Nash down, and he has to dig down deep to take down Nash long enough to jump, leap, and he finally tags in the Macho Man, who just delivers axe handle smashes to everybody. Hall, Nash, inside the ring, outside the ring, axe handle smashes for everybody. Off the top turnbuckle. But finally, Nash cuts him off with a low blow. The crowd rises to their feet. What are they looking at? Someone is coming down the aisle. Who could it be? It's Hulkamania, brother. But whose side is he on? What? What? Hulkamania. Hulk Hogan is here. Hulk Hogan's here. Hulk Hogan is in the building. You're damn right he is. Go get him, Hulkster. Yeah, but whose side is he on? Go, what are you talking about? Whose side is he on? What are you talking about? Which you got to be kidding me. Which freaks Bobby Heenan saying this freaks Dusty the fuck out because he's like, you just fucking spoiled it. Because, I mean, Dusty's part of the booking committee. He knows what, what's yeah. going to happen. And he's like, what What are you talking about? Like, here's the dilemma. And here's what I wanted to bring up with you. Should you tell your announcers what's going to happen? Yes. You should? I think you shouldn't. I think you need a genuine reaction. They need to know going into this. Because then Brain wouldn't have said what he said. No, it's in Brain's character to say what he have said, though. That's the one consistent thing about Bobby the Brain Heenan's character. Is he hated Hogan. That's and true. That, see, that's why I think that... Uh, even after he does turn, he goes, See, I've been telling y'all all yeah. along. That's I've been true. telling you years and years. No one would listen. It's like when a conspiracy theorist is finally proven right after yeah, all these years. That is, no, it's true. It depends on the instance, I would say. Yeah. Depending on... In, in this situation... I think Dusty's actually the one who fucked up because Dusty should have no-sold the comment. You know, yeah. just said... Oh no, he's coming to save us. Not just like what, because he he blows. He's the one that blows it. Is is yeah. Dusty being like what 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 are you talking about? Like yeah. so, Hogan comes in the ring. Oh man, our hero has arrived. Patrick rips the shirt off. That's right. He's pointing to the, Hall. He's the, pointing to Nash. The crowd is going nuts. They've they've run out of the ring. They're scared. Yeah, the Hulkster. Yeah, he's pointing at him, and he's he's ready to go. He. The referees, you know, listen, you're not in the match. No, dude. You need to stand over here in the corner. I'm in the ring. I'm taking control of this match, brother. Yeah, he's all got creative the, control. All of a sudden, he just turns around, bounces off the ropes. And turns the, his back. The biggest leg drop heard in WCW history right there. The leg drop heard around the world as he dropped a leg on his former Mega Powers friend and WCW's last hope, macho man Randy Savage's. Sting had just been incapacitated somehow. Yeah. He was gassed, so he was yeah. nowhere to be found. But that's not enough. He leg drops him again. Hall and Nash get in the ring. High fives. Randy Anderson, the ref, he is so stunned, he throws his hands on his head. Hup, hup, hup. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What oh. the hell is going on here? Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW. He is the third man. Look at this. Oh my god! What the hell is going on? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? 
probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. Let's get everybody out of the dressing room right now and kick his rear end. Unbelievable, brother. You just what have I been saying the all devil. these years? Huh? What have I been saying all these years? Oh, my, oh, my can... God. A career it's, of a lifetime. It's right down the drain, kid. I hope you love it. Can you, you see just those sold little, your soul to the devil. See those little hulksters with the tears rolling down their face right now? We are not going to even acknowledge that three count. Now what happens to us? What happens now to WCW? There was no three count. I never thought I would say that he's yellow, but he may be wearing red, but he's wearing red and yellow. What do we do now? What a low. I'll tell you what. Oh. This is a... Unbelievable situation right here at Bash at the Beach. Hulkamania, the third guy with the outsiders, betrayed WCW. Can't talk. Well, I told you so. Enjoy it, my friend. You got to look yourself in the mirror. You got to stand up and look in the mirror. There you go. That's right. I never thought I'd see people throwing debris at Hulk Hogan. At Hulk Hogan. I knew it should have been done a long time ago. I guess this was premeditated all the way back from 94. I guess this is what it was. Look at the ring. The most incredible scene. And Savage, his best friend, one of his best friends, Hogan turns on. Ladies, I, I, we're, I don't know where we're going. Where he, has, going? he has no, slept with the what. devil. We need to get someone out there and... Okay, now us three. Now where do we go from here? Oh my God! What about Gene Nitro Gordon? tomorrow? What happens Gene, on Nitro? Gene I, Gene, I don't know what you think of this, my man, but this has to be the absolute worst moment in my broadcasting career, and we're all witnessing it. Go Look ahead, at Oakland. He looks like he's going to break up. Go ahead, Gene. What the hell has just happened? Oh yeah, Pee Wee Anderson's great. I mean, Pee Wee Anderson. Tony is losing his mind. Shocked. He wants the dressing room to clean out yeah. all the W, which is true. The WCW guys at that point should have come running out. That's it. And and had Hogan and Hall and Nash just start decking every one of them as soon as they send hit the out apron. the jobbers. Don't send out your quality. Yeah. Guys. Don't have the giant get beat down. But yeah. Bobby says, I've been telling you all these years. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to tell you. You wouldn't listen to me. Hogan covers Macho Man and Hall counts one, two, two three. three. This is not an official win, by no. the way. No. In the record books, this is just the end of the match. So nothing is really... For a hostile takeover, it wasn't very successful because uh, it would continue on for... Uh, many about, years. Yeah, many years. Into the WWE, this uh, NWO would continue. The crowd is in shocked silence at first. Sort of like when The Undertaker got beat at WrestleMania 30. Hall and Nash then, I love, they mock the Hogan mannerisms. They do the ear. Oh, yeah. And, and the, the Hall uh, doing the, the posing and yeah. the flexing. Then comes the garbage. And now oh, I don't man. know if the garbage was, I think maybe the first couple pieces of garbage might have been thrown by some WCW employees to get the rest of it thrown. I don't know, man. Because there was, there was a lot. There was a lot people of garbage. Were, people were pissed because they actually formed a ring around or formed a line around the ring of security and police officers because they literally this was getting to the riot point but well, one guy did jump in the ring and got his ass kicked a fan yeah a mark 
which they cropped out of the network, those assholes. So then comes all the garbage in the ring. Sting sadly helps Macho Man to the back. Garbage fills the ring. Gene goes into the ring. And Gene conducts what I think is the best Hulk Hogan interview ever. I'll include it here. The first thing you need to know is all this garbage in this ring represents you fans. Each and every one of you fans can stick it, brother. And while he's doing this is when Hall is doing his amazing oh, impression. Yeah. It's And the network here takes a tight shot as this is when the fan run in. This is when Patrick Young would run into the ring and so upset that his hero turned his back on was greeted by boots from Scott Hall. He got his ass kicked. Yeah, bam. And, and uh but that's how hot this that's how angry this crowd was. Yeah, they got mad. They got physically angry to the point that I feel like they were going to storm the ring. That's so, that's when heat becomes scary heat. He says all this this crap in the ring it represents you the fans. That's pretty much it. I'll include the whole promo. I forget how it ends exactly, but it the show ends though with Tony saying, "Hulk Hogan, you can go straight to hell. Straight to hell." But there you go. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group, you've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. These two men right here came from a great big organization up north and everybody was wondering who the third man was. Well, who knows more about that organization than me, brother? I've been there, I've done that. You have made the wrong decision in my opinion. Well, let me tell you something. I made that organization a monster. I made people rich up there. I made the people that ran that organization rich up there, brother. And when it all came to pass, the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over 
the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan in the new blood. The monsters with me. We will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you want to hang around the likes of this man Hall and this man Nash. As far as I'm concerned, all of this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. Because if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny-come-latelys that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the new world organization of wrestling, brother, me and the new blood by my side, what you gonna do when the new world organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna free the lawyers. Cody, Bobby, Dusty, damn it, let's get back to you. All right, we have seen the end of Hulkamania. For Bobby the Brain Heenan, for, Dust, for Dusty Rhodes, Gene Okerlund, I don't know. I'm Tony Schiavone. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. Yeah, that's it. The the, the biggest moment in uh, this launched uh, wrestling's hottest period in history. Yeah. This this moment, I would say, launched the Attitude Era. Oh, definitely. It, it, I mean, this... Wrestling will never be as hot as it was... Uh, you know, in the in the three years or four years following this, it'll never be that hot again. No. And this is why when we talk, I cut a lot of our Cena talk out of last week's show too, because, like I said, if Cena was to turn, people would cheer, because this is the internet age now. Yeah. This is just, and a lot of people like cheering for the heel is a cool thing now. You know. Yeah, you don't have a clear cut. Hill and baby anymore. It's right. all gray area. So it's hard to what may be acceptable for this person over here as a wrestling fan. Oh well, that's hillish. Is not for this wrestling. Like perfect example. You were talking about. Oh well, Roman Reigns turned hill. At, you know, at the last pay per view because he backed the ambulance into the trailer. Did he? Did yeah. he turn hill or was that? Revenge? Did he go to drastic? Rev- did he go an to eye drastic- for an eye? Yeah. Drastic measures to to get his revenge for the way he was treated, and that's just why it's sad that they'll never, you'll never be able to get another reaction like this again. The reaction that Cena got when he walked into ECW One Night Stand was probably the most, the oh, second when he most. Went on as far as hostile crowds with, go, with him and uh, RVD. Yeah, as far as oh, hostile dude, crowds, that was brutal. 
when he was walking, and that was such a small little walkway there. Yeah, and he had to hold the he had to hold the belt up because people were reaching for it. And well, stuff. and keep his head down and just. But hostile crowds like that. But the crowd knew going into that that we're going to be hostile. We're gonna we're gonna hate this guy. It's mm-hmm. not just. I don't think you can make this complete 180 anymore. I just don't think it can be done to this degree anymore. I mean, I don't know what it would take. I guess you'd have to take a guy like The Undertaker. Say he's still wrestling. What could The Undertaker do to turn the entire crowd against him in one single instance without some people just cheering? I don't think it can be done. Because because yeah. I love him no matter what, you know. Yeah, I mean he's the Undertaker. You can't. <laughs> right. So that's why even when he did his hillish stuff as the Ministry of Darkness, people still love the shit out of him. Yeah. So I mean, and that so. and that's the same way it is with Cena. It's just like so that's that's what's unfortunate. Uh, and I mean, some people did enjoy. I mean, some people were very excited about Hogan's heel turn. It was this. I think it was this particular crowd. Yeah. Was a very pro. I mean. Hogan's a Floridian. This is a very pro Hogan crowd. Yeah. Uh, so they picked a good place to do this in because had they picked somewhere else that was more of, I mean, he was getting booed in the yellow and red. That's why they had experimented with the with the black and white and the Dungeon of Doom angle earlier. So, yeah. and I mean, we saw what happened when they tried to turn uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin into a heel. Yeah. It just there's no, once you once you once you fall in love once the fans. <laughs> Put you where they want you. It's hard to get that changed. Well, Patrick, you picked an excellent show, one of WCW's best. Uh, overall, uh, there were some matches that could have been cut, though. I agree. Uh, there were Big Boss Man. Sorry, bro. Love you. Love you, John Tenta. You guys uh, probably should have stayed at home. DDP, Jim Duggan, Jim Duggan. Uh, I. Just like I say about Dusty all the time, he's got all the the great things about a pro wrestler, but he's a terrible wrestler. And I don't want to see him in the ring with DDP. That could have been cut. The dog collar match had some potential if they didn't do that split screen shit. You know, even for a plunder match, um, and even just for a fun plunder match, you're not a violent, you know, just, you know, a few canned shots, you know, a fun match, a fun, you can have fun plunder matches. Uh, unfortunately, the table kind of ruined that match for them. Yeah, Conan and Flair was okay. I'd give that a passable score. Mongo and Joe Gomez oh, should yeah. not have even been on the card. So I really think there's... Uh, here's the matches you should check out on this card, Bash at the Beach. Definitely Ray and Psychosis, without a doubt. Match of the night. Fantastic. If you want to see a table not break, <laughs> dog collar maybe. But yeah, that's it. Uh Disco Malenko wasn't much. I thought it was a great showcase for Malenko, but there are many more great Malenko matches. Yeah. So you can skip that one. Conan Flair I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I'd check that out just because it's a very odd combination. Not a not a common combination. Benoit Anderson versus Giant I think Sullivan. That's a, I think that's a decent match. That's a decent match and obviously the main event. The main yeah. event for what happens at the end, not the actual match. The actual match is just... A standard match. But. It's just to get you to what happens at the end. Yeah. But uh, for that reason alone, you have to watch this pay-per-view as a wrestling fan. As a wrestling historian, uh, young or old, this is a must-watch. Like I say, it's probably the one pay-per-view that I wish I was at um, just for the ending. Um, WrestleMania three for me, 
this one and King of the Ring 98. Those are the three for me that if, if I just wish I was there. Because if I was ringside and saw Andre get body slammed by Hogan, that would have been the coolest thing ever. And you also would have gotten Steamboat Savage, too. Yeah, which was, I still think, the greatest wrestling match of all time. So on our rating scale of uh, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, Bash at the Beach 96, it was good, but it had some flaws. So where would you rank this one? Oh, man. I'm going to put this uh, put this as a uh, an outsider. I'm going to put it at Kevin Nash. That is a good pick. I'm going to go with Nash's alter ego. Oh, no, I'm going to go with Kane's alter ego. Isaac Yankum, DDS, is where I will rank this one. A, a very... But mainly for what happens at the end. Uh, the rest of the show, I would probably give a Joe Gomez. Uh, no offense to the rest of the show, but it's a it's a one. This is for the. They booked this right. The main event is what you left talking about. Yeah. Everything else didn't matter. Yeah. Now speaking of not mattering, I know we didn't want to do a lot of WrestleManias, so I picked. You picked probably one of WCW's better shows, so I wanted to pick one of W. WF's one of their worst shows. So that's why we're going to review WrestleMania 11. WrestleMania 11. So we've got LT. I'm I'm excited about this because believe it or not, I am a huge fan of Bob Backlund and Bret Hart here. This is a great match. So I'm pumped. WrestleMania 11 also featuring uh, Mongo McMichael. So Mongo, we, all, we tie yeah. it together as one of the enforcers for LT. LT with and, Salt uh, and Peppa. LT and, and Bam Bam. Bam Bam. You got uh, Tiger Bundy. Yes, of course. Uh, Diesel and Sean for the belt. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Pamela Anderson and oh, uh, yeah. Jenny McCarthy. So. so, yeah, WrestleMania 11, which is uh, in my, well... My actual worst uh, WrestleMania that I've seen is WrestleMania 4. I hate WrestleMania 4, and it's like five hours long. Really? So you do. don't like WrestleMania 4, for, even though Savage finally... That part I enjoy, but the, man, it is so... Getting, it's so, getting, getting there, there yeah. is just such a struggle. Yeah. So that's where we'll go next week, WrestleMania 11, because why not? I didn't think much about this week's pick, so that's really no. I'm, I'm pumped about this week's pick. This is a great pick. I have a lot to add to this pick. So, all right, so that'll do it for this week in the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying as always, my closing lines close on bingo, bingo. I was at Bash at the Beach in '96, and probably for an age that. A lot of those memories should have like slipped by or been warped in my mind. I remember it very distinctly. They have said the third man is here, but he is not in the ring, which means he is either in the stands, he is still in the locker room area. To me, uh, I was a pretty smart 11-year-old kid. I thought I was pretty smart. Backstage, everything seemed extremely hostile. We had picked up momentum to the point where they wanted to see us get beat up, and we didn't give it to them. We gave them the exact opposite. Savage was blown to come back. We cut him off, and then, of course, Hulk came down. Hulkamania! Hulk Hogan is here! Hulk Hogan's here! Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulkster! 
place popped, you know, because everybody knew that Hulk was there to save the day. Yes, sir! Get in, Hogan! Well, the crowd really wasn't expecting it. It was just, I don't know, it, 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 I become speechless because it was so great as far as shocking. Everybody was shocked that that would even happen. Hulk Hogan arrived. What is he oh doing? My God. Lo and behold, when we cleared the ring, he hit the ropes and, and dropped the leg on, on Savage, and that was the reveal of the third man. And that night was uh, the genesis of the NWO. I know I was managing Hulk down there for a while, and we could notice every night going to the ring, we started getting more and more booze because at the time, we weren't giving the people what they want. We were giving Hulk as a good guy. So what happened, we did the ungodly. We did the inevitable. Hulk Hogan turning on the fans, ripped off the colors, the red and yellow, and said, I'll never wear this again, and put the NWO, the New World Order t-shirt on. People that loved him were just shocked. I mean, there were kids crying. I mean, people just going back to the concession stand, wanting their money back for their t-shirts. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was different, and it was unexpected. And again, that's, that's the intrigue. You know, when we go to a movie, when we watch a a soap opera or whatever. It's those things that you go, wow, I didn't see that coming. That keep you coming back. Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. Hulk Hogan, a lifelong good guy, you know, was no longer a good guy and he sounded a lot more like a jerk. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. I think the NWO story worked so well with the fans because I was the leader of the NWO. I was the so-called godfather of the NWO. And where the NWO was born in the WCW, I was not fan friendly. I was from New York. I was branded Titan Sports from head to toe. And the people in the Southern Belt wrestling world in that area hated me because I was from New York. So it was easy to be hated down there. They kind of fell into that NWO thing. I mean, they, they really did. You, you had two top stars from the WWE jump ship and go to their organization. Then for the first time, Hulk Hogan turns heel after 25 years, whatever it was. They fell into something. When Hulk Hogan joined, you had the initial negative reaction from the people that they were seeking. They would throw garbage in the ring, they were very upset, they were angry because their hero was taken from them. But in essence, the NWO became anti-heroes, and all of a sudden, Everyone that ever rallied against Hulk Hogan for that red and yellow and eat your vitamins kind of stuff, all of a sudden he became the coolest guy in the room. He really reinvented himself. Hulk Hogan is bigger than the sport of professional wrestling. And with the outsiders, the new blood, the foundation of the new world order, we shall rule the wrestling world.